Hi, I'm Brian Levy. I am a partner at Manchester Living and the host of the Manchester Living Podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. I have a lexicon of elder care terms and acronyms on our website at manchesterlivingpodcast.com. I want to start today's show with a new and noteworthy. Um, it's a brief clip of various funerals and funeral traditions around the world. Roll the tape. Everyone mourns differently. That's obvious when you look at the funeral traditions found throughout history. Here are some of the world's most bizarre rituals. Tibetan Buddhists practice something known as sky burials. The deceased family member is taken to a mountain to be exposed to the elements and or to be eaten by animals, particularly birds. While this might seem strange to people in the Western world, it makes sense for Buddhists. They believe that the spirit moves on and therefore there is no need to preserve the body. In Taiwan, the family of the deceased will often hire professional mourners for the funeral. They cry and cry for family members who are uncomfortable mourning in public. The practice lets others know the family is sad, even if they have trouble showing it personally. If you have enough money, you can even pay the mourners to make a touching speech. You know, about someone they probably never met. This tradition comes from one of America's most popular cities, New Orleans. The jazz funeral involves a brass band marching from the deceased home to the cemetery. Along the way, somber songs are played. After the funeral, the procession continues with more upbeat songs. Often onlookers join in by dancing to help celebrate the memory of the deceased. These people are known as the Second Line. The tradition is a combination of West African, French, and African American influences. The Bo people, an ethnic minority who formerly lived in southwestern China, practiced suspended burials. It's exactly what it sounds like. Coffins were placed along cliffs and in caves above a river. However, some were placed on planks extending from the cliff face. Unfortunately, the Bo people are pretty much gone, so we don't know why their dead were interred this way. The Ghana Fantasy Coffins ritual is relatively recent. The Ga people of Ghana believe life continues in the next world, therefore they have to be put to rest in style. The ritual started in the 1950s when families commissioned carpenters to build elaborate coffins that represented the deceased. Totem poles are a familiar symbol of Native Americans of the Pacific Northwest, particularly the Haida people. They take on a new meaning after a death, though. Most deceased Haida were thrown into a mass grave, which is pretty grim. But the rituals surrounding the death of a chief, shaman, or warrior were more complicated. The body was put into a box, then put atop a mortuary totem pole in front of the deceased's home. The carved icons were thought to act as guardians in the afterlife. We all mourn differently. All right, let's jump in. Today's show um, is a continuation of a series that I did not intend to do, but we started with end-of-life toolkits with Dr. Fine, and then started talking about hospice and end-of-life doulas, then grieving, and now we're going to talk about Jewish funerals. Today on the show, I'm excited to um, introduce Zane Bellier, owner of Jewish Funerals, Dallas, Houston, and Cleveland, and my friend Charles Hersberg, co-director of the men's division of Dallas, Hevra, Kadisha. My first request of you guys is to please correct me, although I'm Jewish. I was raised in a reformed temple in San Antonio. I was bar mitzvahed in Israel. And during research for this show, I did not know the answers to these questions. So if it's a, an answer to correct or a pronunciation, please jump in. I won't be offended. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, thank you. All right. First question. What is Hever Kadisha? Hever Kadisha is basically friends taking and having community. We're all friends in the community. Hever Kadisha means friends. Kadisha means procedure. Basically. Great. 
Why do we use a wood casket and does the color matter? So it, it's always funny as, as being Jewish, there's always a saying that says you can ask five rabbis a question like that and you'll get 25 responses. Right. So I'll give you, you know, one of the many responses that, that I've heard um, that, that's been, you know, discussed and, and, and a lot of, and, and the main reason is because it's all wood casket. All right. And, and the, the, the end result is for that casket to ultimately dissolve into the earth for our body to become one um, with the earth because our belief in the afterlife is you know that there is an afterlife and, and we are essentially similar to planting a tree um, you plant a seed later on a seed grows so it's similar um, with the jewish burial process okay uh, what is tahara and why is it important oh that's a good one brian um a tahara really is the ritual preparing the body for burial. As I said, Chavra, which would you rather? A mortician who does this for a job or friends, people you've met in the community. What it entails is basically preparing the body, cleaning the body. We treat them like the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. In fact, that's how we dress the body. It's the same linens that you use on the high priest. You wash the body. You take care of it, you clean it, you save every bit of blood you can, you then dress them in these linens. I had a rabbi a few years ago, we had a problem. The family wanted them dressed in a business suit that he always wore. We can't, we don't do that. So the rabbi finally put me in contact with the family. The family wanted, told me that he always wore a business suit every morning, everything else. I said, how old is he? They said, 79. I go, did he ever disco dance? And they go, oh my, Marvin loved to disco dance. I said, own a leisure suit. Wife shook her head and said, he had seven leisure suits. I said, well, imagine a white linen handmade leisure suit. <laughs> That's what a set of shrouds look like. It's not what you saw in Fiddle on the Roof. This is a nicely made suit, sewn together, all linen, and it really is a beautiful article of clothing. And that's what we put it in. On those words, she said, bury them in that. Nice. I so, love that story. <clears throat> I know story. Um, some families like to put trinkets and keepsakes and favorite items in a casket. Is that allowed in a Jewish funeral? Technically, it's not. I'll let Charles sort of embellish on that a little bit. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's, there's several families that, that may not be as religious as others and, and have different requests. Um, as a funeral home, um, um, as, as sort of as they're, um, they're our customer. Um, and so we're going to, um, we're not going to tell them no um, on certain um, aspects. Um, we typically try and get the rabbis involved, uh, let them be the bad guys right. um, for us. Charles, you want to well, embellish on that? We've had several requests. The ones we won't do is we had a family who wanted us to put a fetish into the coffin. Lovely. That we won't. It's called a, a votazara, an idol. Um, what we will do, if there is a favorite, okay, Nolan Ryan baseball jersey. We were talking about earlier. Family wanted him buried in his Nolan Ryan baseball jersey. We said we couldn't do that, but we did roll it up and we put it in the bottom of the coffin. If it's something hard, something like a stone or metal piece, what we suggest is that the funeral, after the coffin's lowered, 
or before the coffin's lowered, place it into the grave. I've been to quite a few Jewish funerals for family members, and um, I always put seashells after the casket is, is lowered. Lots of traditions, and really everything we do in a funeral, a Jewish funeral, there's very few that are laws. It's all called binhak, which is tradition. And the city has its own tradition. If your family has a tradition, that's what we would observe. To, to honor the family as well as the deceased. So let's walk through the traditions at the burial site. I know we take the, 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 the shovel and turn it upside down. What's the purpose of that? And also address the pouring of the wine that we talked about earlier with the, with the wine cup going upside down and the shovel upside down. Sure. So, so traditionally, you, you want to start with the back portion of the shovel. Um, th there's, there's a number of, of, of responses for why we do that. I, the most common is, is just quite frankly, it's difficult to shovel dirt with the backside of the shovel. If you think about when you're out gardening, are you going to turn the shovel around? I don't know about you, but I can barely shovel the right way, right. you know, when I'm trying to do something in my backyard. So turning the shovel backwards makes it even more difficult. Well, burying a loved one, someone that you care about is difficult. And so you want it to be a difficult process. Um, um, traditionally, you do the first three um, with the back of the shovel. Um, and that is, that's creating a pattern. And, and I'll let Charles sort of divulge on some of the, the, the deeper meanings behind some of that, because he is definitely a, a lot more in tune with the Torah um, than I am. Mm. Unfortunately, I'm getting better, um, you know, thanks to a lot of uh, my rabbi mentors that I right. spend time with. But, but, but it, it typically it creates a pattern. And, and, and ultimately, um, you're providing a mitzvah for that family. And, and, and helping with the burial process is considered the best mitzvah you can provide uh, to someone. You want to well, without trying to get too deep into it, the idea of the back of the shovel is the family's reluctance to say, say goodbye mm -hmm. to the deceased. Okay. So it's harder to do, as Zane said, is exactly right. It's something reluctantly they're doing, so they're not doing it in a quick way. Now, on a flip side, at the beginning of the month, called Rosh Hodesh, or on a holiday week, you're not allowed to do that. You have to use the shovel normally. Why? Because they, there's an opening to the heavens at that time. So being that, you want to help the spirit, the neshama, the soul, along to their next plane of life. So you try and do it as fast as you can. Yeah. And the and the with the with the pattern with the three. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember the third, but I know there's good. There's evil. Um, what, what's the third? The, the I hate to say I just went blank. On yeah. So, it. but is so it only three when you're doing the shovel on the back the of the shovel? And by the way, that is the absolute worst sound to hear that dirt hit the wooden casket. That's impactful. It it very it, it is it, it definitely is, and and I will say that when we are at a funeral service, that really is the point where. Um, you really see the pain yeah. in, in the loved ones um, once you hear that dirt hit the hit the casket. And all mourners at graveside have the ability, the right, the uh, the opportunity to put the dirt in. Yes, that's yes. tradition. Yes. Every okay. In fact, it's joins in with the shevra. Mm -hmm. It's a non thanked mitzvah, non thanks good yeah. deed. Yeah, 
because the person you're doing it for is no longer there to thank you. Mm -hmm. And it's our responsibility, especially Orthodox tradition, is to make sure that you stay, the friends, the family, the mourners, the family leaves sometimes just before, but we always make sure we fill the grave all the way to the top. This should not be done by somebody who doesn't know. Interesting. Person. Okay. Terrible question I have to ask. Cost of a funeral and can it be financed? So as far as cost in general, um, you know, for, for my organization, I want to make it affordable for, for families. So if I were to compare cost to myself and my competitors, um, if you were to add the, the average cost of a funeral in general, it's, it's approximately $15,000. Now, now what a lot of few people get confused is the, when you say a funeral, um, there's, there's two main parts of a funeral. You've got your cemetery plot, which is a completely separate purchase. Cemetery plots in the Metroplex range anywhere from $7,000 up to $30,000 a space, depending on where you decide that you want to VIP have the setting. burial. You have the VIP, you know, section. Um, on the funeral side, you know, the, the cost range, you know, cost average probably close to $10,000, $15,000. So overall, on the average, to, to bury a loved one, you're looking on average um, 30 plus thousand dollars um, when you add the cemetery plot. Um, Is it, can you finance it? You can finance. So we really encourage families to pre-plan. Um, if you pre-planning adv in advance, you can make payments on that pre-plan. When death occurs, you have to pay everything um, at the time of service. Okay, Charles, Warner's Cottage, what is it and when and why is it recited? Warner's Cottage is basically the theory behind it or the thought behind it. It's memory of the person, the deceased. It's said by immediate family. A son says it for his father. A son can say it for his mother if his father's deceased. Um, if your father's still alive, you don't do it. Your father says it for you. And out of respect, you don't do it because it's more or less saying, I wish you weren't here, dad, <laughs> so I could say it. It said at the time of the funeral, then for the next seven days, it's normally said in the home, you'll have service in the home at the three services, Shachris, Mincha, and Marav. Which mean? Shachris is the morning service, and it also contains Musaf, which is when you read the Torah on Monday, Thursday, and Saturday. Marv starts the Jewish day okay. at night. Sundown is the start of our day. And is that the minion? Those are the minion. Okay, so what is a minion? A minion is a congregation in orthodoxy of 10 men. In conservative Judaism, it can be mixed men and women. And in reform, it can be mixed men, women. And if you're short, I've seen them count the Torah scroll as a member of the minion. It allows the person to say Kaddish. And you say Kaddish for 11 months in memory of the person, then once a year on the date of their death. Um, I read that uh, Judaism does not allow for cremations or mausoleums. Can you all talk about those two? I'll, I'll talk about the mausoleums um, briefly. You know, Charles, I know we'll definitely um, talk a lot about the cremation side. It goes back to your question earlier about about the wood casket and about the afterlife and about the the the, the us becoming one with the earth and, and being planted just like a seed. 
you can't do that in a mausoleum. You know, a mausoleum, you're in a building. Um, in addition to that, most mausoleums um, require you to be embalmed um, to be in that mausoleum. So, which is being embalmed is against Jewish tradition. It is, and and because you're 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 putting uh, foreign fluids inside of you, it's not a natural burial. Which essentially, Jewish burial is a natural burial, and so what happens is your body is not going to become one with the earth um, um, just as the, the Jewish burial process, um, the traditions um, require. Okay. On to cremation, getting into the philosophical in that. God, we're all made in the image of God, Hashem. Excuse me, I'll use the term Hashem quite often as the orthodox way of saying God. Um, we're not all made into his image. Being that, being the case, you don't destroy something that God gives you. If your father and you loved your father or your mother and they give you a special item, you wouldn't take it out and burn it. You wouldn't destroy it. That's the religious reason. Okay. The non-religious reason when people go as they mentioned, funerals have gotten costly again, quite a bit. Why you don't do it is because you need to give back to the earth. All the nutrients that are used to make a human that you absorb during your lifetime and everything there, you can give back to the earth. That's why in a Jewish funeral, you have to be in contact, the coffin has to be in contact with the ground you give back to nature. And it's almost, how dare you take and destroy something and take it out of the environment when it can be something beautiful part of the environment. So along the lines of non-natural non acts, um, let's talk about tattoos and suicide with, uh, as it relates to Jewish funerals. Sure, yes, Charles, no, I'll let you talk about that. about that. Old time, long time ago, not in ancient history, but in the beginning of the 20th century. Jews who were tattooed, Jews who committed suicide, were buried in a separate area. Now, it's realized nobody should be punished if they're ill. Suicide, you cannot be in your right mind. The psychologist community of the United States have all agreed suicide is a mental disease. Therefore, how do you punish? Uh, one general said, our, our job is to make sure we take care of everybody and it's God's job to divide who's righteous and who's not. That's pretty nice way. Nice. Our job is to say everyone has right to a burial. Everyone has the right to their friends handling it. Someone who commits suicide, they're not in their right mind. Therefore, it's your job to let them be part of the community. Show them acceptance. If it's wrong, Hashem will let you know. Not let you know, we'll let them know. Yeah. On tattoos, was eliminated after World War II. How do you tell a survivor from a concentration camp? Tattoo? No, you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Right. It broadened the aspect. How do you take somebody who is young and foolish, some people old and foolish, <laughs> do something that they can't, get removed, and now that they've actually accepted Judaism, they want a Jewish funeral, which is part of accepting Judaism. And don't judge, right? Don't judge. All right, let's yeah. talk about it. 
funerals and technology, doing research um, for this episode, I came across some absolutely incredible and bizarre things, okay, technology sure. related. I saw um, a headstone with a QR code. Wow. That gave nice. the entire bio of the deceased. Wow, that's interesting. I haven't, we haven't that's come hard. across that yet. Have you heard no. that? No. What other technology is involved in funerals that you that you use or? Wow, or you know, t funerals have have traditionally been very old school and boring. You right. know, for when it comes to technology, until QR codes were <laughs> right. I guess right. Well, well, COVID has really kind of launched us into the into the the new technology times and yeah. and and. So what we're seeing now is live streaming is becoming very popular. And as a result, I've invested time and money into technology. You know, we are actually about to launch an app uh, that will provide a true live stream service at the graveside, regardless of the internet connection. That's a challenge with the graveside is you don't have, you're not guaranteed that you're going to be standing next to a, a, tower. a, a yeah. tower or a, or a, or a, a router right. to have the perfect signal. So this app will actually allow us to record live, send a message to the viewers that the signal is weak. And so the, the live they're seeing is going to be interrupted, but it's continually being recorded. They'll be notified when the service is complete. It'll upload and they'll be able to start where they left off, which is actually fantastic because right now we have a lot of families that will watch and, and they don't quite understand that we can't control the Internet signal. Right. Uh, we can't control Zoom. We can't control these big companies on what decisions they make if they were to shut off the viewers or what what happens um, so this is going to be a big step plus we're installing uh, live stream cameras in our funeral homes and and that will be significant um, with a really uh, with a, an excellent platform and i really feel that now that families have become more accustomed to viewing funerals live stream uh, with the fact that covid may never go completely away as well as the convenience of watching it live stream, I think live stream is here to stay. I think a lot of families for mobility reasons, even when, when everything gets 100% back to normal, yeah. will choose to watch live stream because they don't have to get in their car. They don't have to schlep out to the cemetery, right. especially in Texas when it's 100 degrees in the summer. Right. Cleveland when it's negative 50. Right. They can watch from their home. Pros and, and cons and, of technology. No, absolutely. Plus and you can watch it. You can get a recorded copy. You know, we keep it on the cloud for a period of time. So there's a lot great, of advantages. Great, great grandkids can watch the film. Sure, sure. Yeah. We can have it on thumb drives. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. And jumping in real fast. My brother blessed memory passed away last October and he was buried in Israel and we went to Israel but all of his friends were in the United States mm -hmm. so we were able to stream here in the Jewish tradition are there viewings are there open caskets what are the traditions on that so if you talk tradition the answer the short answer is no you know, it, it is definitely not encouraged. And, and when you're talking to an Orthodox uh, conservative rabbi, they're going to strongly discourage it, it, it to the extent of denying families to, to view their loved one prior to burial. And the reasoning that, that, that's been given to me in the past is that you, that's not the last image that you want of your loved one. Your last image is, is you having the opportunity to say goodbye to them and, and be with them when they pass. Or even if you weren't able to be there when they pass, the last memory you had when you were with them when they were alive and well. On the, on the more reform and not observant side, yes, we have had families that have come in and, and wanted to view their loved ones. So we're not going to deny them 
um, that opportunity. It's just a matter of, you know, you ask a rabbi what, what they're encouraging you to do. They're going to tell you that they, that they don't encourage that. Um, and so really it just comes down to the family's preferences and, and what they, what they choose to do at the end of the day. Okay. Um, so Charles, now, you want to add on to that? Taking the Orthodox and conservative Orthodox side. Um, once you do a tahara, the body's clothed, the head is covered, there's a head covering. We don't want that disturbed. With that, so you don't open the casket. If the family wishes to view it beforehand, we've done that several times. Several times, arranging for the body to be viewed by the family. Because you want to know in your mind, closure. You want to make sure you don't have that little thing, are they hiding from me somewhere in the United States and I can't find them? And where did grandma give all her money to? But <laughs> Like Tupac uh, and Biggie. Right, right. right. Got to have closure. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the traditional reason is... You want to get that person moved on as soon as you can. So you do the tahara. You don't have a viewing to delay it. You take the body, the casket, to graveside, and you bury it. Then the soul, the neshama, can move on to the next level and start their next. And in Jewish faith, you do believe in the afterlife? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You can find it in the Old Testament. You can find it from the prophets. Zane, what haven't I asked you that I should? I think the biggest question is, is what benefit do you get out of pre-planning? I know we talked earlier about the, the benefit of being able to pay in advance, but what is also a significant benefit is having that peace of mind that it's completed and out of the way. Because at the end of the day, it's not about you, it's about your children. It's about the ones you leave behind. They're the ones that are gonna be faced with that burden of making the arrangements, making the payments, and, and going to the cemetery to sign off the documents, to meet with us to sign off on documents. And the more you can have prepared in advance, the easier the process is. Ideally, we wanna have a burial within 24 hours. It makes it extremely difficult, if not sometimes impossible, for that to happen when no plans have been in place. Yeah, Charles, what haven't I asked you that I should? Zane just opened up something that lets me get on my soapbox for a second. Pre-directives, please. If you do nothing else or get nothing else from us here, go out, make sure you have a pre-directive. You can download them. They're free, most of them, unless you want to go through a lawyer. Make sure somebody has your medical power of attorney. That pre-directive lets them know what you want, mm -hmm. how you want to die, and how go further with giving somebody the idea in your pre-directive. And this doesn't have to be legal, but write out what you want. If you can pre-plan, fantastic. Saves you money, lets you know what it is. And when the four siblings get together to plant mom or dad, you don't have the argument. No more World War Three. You don't right. have yeah. World War right. yeah. Yeah. It, okay. It's the greatest thing you can do. That's for one of the first, the first show of this series that I did with Dr. Fine was talking, we, we talked about end of life toolkits and that was, that was part of it. So, well, and to his point, sorry to interrupt, but but when he mentioned about the, there's no confusion on what, what happened, you have families that maybe mom and dad were really religious. They're going to be buried in a section at the cemetery that requires all of the Jewish rituals to be fo followed, meaning a shomer uh, at the funeral home, the, the tahara, the, the hevra being involved. And the other the family members aren't as religious and they don't understand well, why do we have to do this? Like, we don't understand. 
And, and so that's why you do it in advance and you document this and educate your kids. It's all done. This is what's going to happen. It saves the argument. It saves the questions as well. Time and so, Thank you. So people don't ask what Zane just said. A Shomer is a person, a fellow Jew, who is with the person from the time, preferably from the time of death until they are buried. They recite what's known to Hillam. It's the Psalms that David wrote. They recite every hour a Tehillim in honor of that person, and they stay. They actually stay at the funeral home. There is a tradition about Jewish burials in terms of time of, from time of death into burial. What is that? Ultimately, it's 24 hours. Israel, I've seen it literally in one hour. Oh, my. Okay. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, I want to play on today's nugget. I want to play a clip of Ruth Bader Ginberg's Kaddish. Um, as the group uh, all set it together, roll the clip. That was beautiful. Rest in peace, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to the lightning round. This is a good opportunity for the Do we viewers, have a buzzer? Do we have the, a the viewers to get to know you answer uh -huh. quickly. Are you okay. ready? Absolutely. Zane, where were we born? Worland, Wyoming. Oh, welcome to Texas. Mm -hmm. Dallas, Texas. All right. First memory of being Jewish or most fond memory of being Jewish? My most fond memory is, is definitely my son's bar mitzvah in Israel. Since he stole my thunder, I'll say my son's bris. There you go. Bar mitzvah and a bris. Pretty, pretty memorable. Uh, can you write in Hebrew? No. Can you write in Hebrew? Poorly. <laughs> Ever lived in Israel? No. Ever yes. Been? Flown a plane? I have been on a plane. Flown a plane. Never flown a plane. Shot a gun? Absolutely. I was in the army. Shot yes. a gun? Favorite sport to watch or play? Baseball. Football. Phone or, uh, iPhone or Android? iPhone. Favorite Jewish funeral tradition? The Hever Kedisha. Tahara. I, I would say the chuppah, the marriage canopy. If you could eat something non-kosher, what would it be? Shrimp. That's hard. There's so many. Oysters, if you said shrimp. There you go. Strangest funeral request? Cremate me and put me in shotgun shells. All right. I would probably put up in baseball jersey to be buried in a baseball jersey. Wow. I'm not that big of a sports fan and I hunt and that gave me some really cool ideas. Did, okay. All right. All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being on the show today. This is very enlightening. What's the best way for viewers to reach you if they need to? You can reach out to us. Uh, our main website is jewishfuneralsusa.com. Great. Charles? DallasHeverKadisha.org. Fantastic. Thanks for watching today. You can watch the Manchester Living Podcast on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes. And of course, you can dial us up on ManchesterLivingPodcast.com. In closing, I've been in your seat. If there's anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to call. Don't go back to Google. Call me. Thanks for watching.
itkadal vitkadash shmeraba belma divra khirute vyamlikhma khute bkhayakhon uvyomekhon uvkhaye dekhol beit israel ba'agala uvizman kariv vimru amen Itbarach vishtabach vit paar vit romam vit nase vit hadar vit ale vit halal shmed kudasha brichu lela minkol berchata vishirata tushbechata venechamata damiran belma vimru amen yeheshlama raba min shmaya vechaim alenu vel kol yisrael vimru amen Ose shalom bimromav, hu yaase shalom aleinu, vel kol Yisrael, vimru, amen. amen.